Agnes Layens, Chapter Six of Celibates by George Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James Carson. Then you've heard," said Agnes, coming forward and taking the priest's hand. How did you hear? Did you meet father? No, my dear child, I've heard nothing. I did not meet your father. I was in London today for the first time since I last saw you. I ought to have called earlier, but I was detained. I'm afraid I'm late. It must be getting late. It must be getting near your dinner hour. I see that you know nothing, and that I shall have to tell you all. Yes, my dear child, tell me everything. Agnes sat on the ottoman. Father White took a chair near her. Tell me everything. I see you've been weeping. You're not happy at home, then. Oh, father, happy. If you only knew, if you only knew. I cannot tell you. Then, seeing in the priest's arrival a means of escape from the danger of her position between her father and mother, she cried, You must take me back to the convent to-night. I cannot meet mother when she comes home. Something dreadful might happen. Father White, you must take me back to the convent. Say that you will. Say that you will. My dear child, you are agitated. Calm yourself. What has happened? Tell me. It is too long a story. It is too dreadful. I cannot tell it all to you now. Later I'll tell you. Take me back to the convent. I cannot meet mother. I cannot. But what has your mother done? Has she been cruel to you? Has she struck you? Struck me. If that were all, that would be nothing. The priest's face turned a trifle paler. He felt that something dreadful had happened. The girl was overcome, her nerves had given way, and she could hardly speak. It was not well to insist that she should be put at the torture of a complete narrative. "'Where is your father?' he said. "'Major Layens will tell me. He knows, I suppose, all about it. Calm yourself, Agnes. Tell me where your father is. That will be sufficient.' "'Father is walking round the square.' "'But don't leave me, don't. I cannot remain in this room alone,' she said, looking round with a frightened air. "'I'll wait till he comes in. He may not come in for hours. Perhaps he'll never come back. Anything may happen. If he's walking round the square, he can be sent for. No, Father White, I'll be calm. I'll tell you. I must tell you. But you'll not desert me. You'll not leave me here to meet Mother.' Don't you think, my dear child, that it would be better that I should see your father, that he should tell me? No, I'd sooner tell you myself. Father could not explain. Tomorrow or after in the convent I'll tell you. I'll tell you and Mother Abbess. You must see, Agnes, that I cannot take you away from your father's house without his permission. It is not father's house. Well, your mother's house. That is quite different. I see that I must tell you. Of course I must. Surely, Agnes, it would be better to postpone telling me till tomorrow. You're tired, you've been crying. You'll be able to tell me better in the morning. I'll call here early tomorrow morning. No, you must take me back to the convent tonight. I cannot remain here. You'll agree with me that I cannot when I tell you all. Agnes looked at Father White. She was no longer crying. She had regained her self-possession in the necessity of the moment, and she began with hardly a tremble in her voice. "'Mother is not—is not—I'm afraid she is not. But how am I to accuse my own mother?' 
I'm sure now, my dear child, that I was right when I suggested that I should speak to Major Layens, because you don't know the circumstances, nor do you know my father. No, it must be. I, I must tell you. There was a note of conviction in Agnes's voice, which silenced further protestation, and Father White listened. You see, this house and everything here belongs to Mother. It is she who pays for everything. Father lost all his money some years ago. He was cheated out of it in the city. The loss of his money preyed upon his mind. He could not stand the humiliation of asking his wife, as he puts it, for tuppence to take the omnibus. Mother did not care for father. She cared for someone else, and that, of course, made father's dependence still more humiliating. It preyed on his mind, and he lives in the house like a servant, in a little room under the roof that the kitchen maid would not sleep in. He has a typewriting machine up there, and he makes a few shillings a week by copying. He bought the butler's old overcoat. It is very sad to see him up there at work, and to hear him talk. I must tell you that the people who come here are not good people. I don't think that they can be very nice. The conversation in this drawing-room, I'm sure, is not. There is a man who comes here whom I don't like at all, a Mr. Moulton. He says things that are not nice, and he tried to kiss me the other day. I was afraid of him, and Mother used to leave me alone with him. I had difficulty in getting away from him, so I asked Father to speak. I thought that Father, when he met him alone, would tell him not to talk as he did, but Father got so angry that notwithstanding all I could do to prevent him, he went down in his old clothes to the drawing-room and, I suppose, insulted everyone. Anyhow, they all went away. I felt that something was happening, so I listened on the stairs. Father and mother were talking violently, and when he grasped mother's throat I rushed between them. That is the whole story. A terrible story. So you see that it is impossible for me to remain here. I cannot meet mother after what has happened. You must take me to the convent to-night. Say that you will, Father White. Have you not thought, my child, that it may be your duty to remain here as mediator, as peacemaker? Father has promised me that he will never raise his hand to mother again. I made him understand that it was by gentleness and patience she must be won back. All the more reason that you should remain here to watch and encourage the good work you have begun. But, Father White, I feel that I have done all that I can do. My prayers must do the rest. But your presence in this house would be an influence for good, and would check again, as it did to-day, these unhappy outbursts of violence. Father has promised me never to resort to violence again. My presence is the temptation to do so. Things might happen. Things would be sure to happen that would force him to forget his promise. He might kill Mother. That is the way these things end. He has borne with a great deal. He has said nothing. People think that he feels nothing. He may think so himself, but something is all the while growing within him, and the day comes when he will stand it no longer, when he will kill Mother. Very little suffices. I very nearly sufficed. I must go, Father. You must take me away. 
Agnes spoke out of the fullness of her instinct, and Father White wondered, for such knowledge of life seemed very strange in one of Agnes's age and ignorance. "'I understand, my child. As you say, it is difficult for you to remain here, but I cannot take you away without consulting your father.' father will not oppose my returning to the convent i have spoken to him he knows how unhappy i am but i cannot take you away without his authority i did not intend to leave without bidding father good-bye we can stop the cab as we go round the square but your clothes are not packed they will lend me all i want at the convent my clothes can be sent after me father you must take me away I cannot remain here and meet my mother after what happened. My mission here is ended. Prayer will do the rest. I want to go to the convent so that I shall be free to pray for mother. Unable to resist the intensity of the girl's will, Father White answered that he would wait for her while she went upstairs to get her hat and jacket. As he paced the room he tried to think, but he could not catch a single thread of thought. He was merely aware of the horrible position that this dear, good, and innocent girl had so unexpectedly found herself thrust into, and of the good sense and resource she had displayed in her time of trial. No doubt she is right, he thought. She cannot remain here. She must go back to the convent, at least for the present. But once she goes back, she will never again be persuaded to leave it. So much the better another soul for God and joy everlasting. The door opened. Agnes wore the same dress as she had arrived in, the same little black fur jacket, and her hands were in the same little muff. They went downstairs without speaking, and Father White called a four-wheeled cab. As they got in, he said, You know that I cannot possibly take you away without first obtaining your father's authority. We shall meet him as we go round the square. Tell the cabman to drive slowly. I'll watch this side. You keep watch that side. We can't miss him. I'm to drive round the square till you see a gentleman walking? Yes, and then we'll stop you, said Father White. Suddenly Agnes cried, There is Father, there. Father White poked his umbrella through the window, and Agnes screamed, and she had to scream her loudest, so absorbed was the Major. Father White called to see me. I've asked him to take me back to the convent. You'll let me go, Father? I shall be happier there than at home. The Major did not answer, and the priest said, If you'll allow me, Major Layens, I'd like to have a few minutes' conversation with you. He got out of the cab, and Agnes waited anxiously. She could hear them talking, and she prayed that she might sleep at the convent that night. At last the Major came to the cab door and said, If you wish, Agnes, to go back to the convent with Father White, you can. I'll work hard and make some money, and then you'll come and live with me. Yes, Father, remember you'll always be in my thoughts. It is good of you to let me go. Indeed it is. You must try not to miss me too much, and you'll often come and see me. Yes, dear. And, Father dear, you'll remember your promise. Yes, dear. Goodbye. She kissed her father on the forehead and burst into tears. The cab jangled on, the priest did not speak, and gradually through the girl's grief there grew remembrance of the road leading to the convent, and, though they were still five miles away or more, 
she saw the gate at the corner of the lane the porteress too she saw the quiet sedate nuns hastening down the narrow passages towards their chapel she saw them playing with their doves like innocent children she saw them chase the ball down the gravel walks and cross the swards she saw her life from end to end from the moment when the porteress would open the door to the time when she would be laid in the little cemetery at the end of the garden where the nuns go to rest the end end of agnes lyons chapter six recording by james carson end of celibates by george moore